Welcome to our podcast, Doing It Right. This podcast reveals authentic stories from successful leaders doing it right. It's about their journey to become a leader, their choices, motivations, and lessons. In essence, how they built successful personal brands. Your host is Valerie Sokolowski, author of eight leadership books and nationally known as an authority on executive presence and personal branding. Let's get started. Here's Valerie. Well, as always, I'm so glad to be back with you. And again, we've got a wonderful episode you won't want to miss. Remember why I started this show. Having owned a leadership development firm for 25 long years, <laughs> I've just experienced so many wonderful leaders who are leading authentically and who are demonstrating their values. And that's just so important, I think, especially in today's world when things are changing so often, to stay grounded. And so I had an opportunity now, going on three years ago, to start a show. And what did I want it to be about? The same thing. Because when I'm in workshops, that's what I'm doing, is helping leaders do it right. Whatever it is in leadership development, if you can't stay who you are, you're going to find out it's not going to work very long. You know what? I actually tried that my first year in college. I decided, oh, no one will know me. I can be anybody I want. And that lasted a whole week. So <laughs> I thought I would talk to you a little bit about uh, something pretty important using the word authentic today. You know, it's hard to maintain those values when there are so many elements that are pulling you in different directions. And so what does authentic really mean? Well, I think it means being really clear on what's important to you. Because if you don't live them every day, they can get a little mushy. So branding, personal branding, one of the things I'm very niched in doing in leadership development, personal branding is about your values, it's about your stories you know to tell from your experiences. It's about your talents. It's about your gifts. It's about all of that. Just remember, stay who you are. Stay the core person that you are. And don't waver, because if you ever do that, it can get into a habit and spiral on down. Today's guest is someone that has never done that, I want to introduce to you Jennifer Payne. Jennifer is the Senior Director of Technology at Southwest Airlines, and her interest in technology really goes back to age, in, well, age, in the fifth grade. I thought that was fascinating. I often ask guests, well, when did you know you wanted to be, right? Fifth grade, she knew this. I find that's fascinating. She just had a passion for computer science. Well, then she followed a career path in just that. At one point, she was with Neiman Marcus and handled the technology there. And now and since, she's been at Southwest Airlines, where she is really mentoring a lot of employees and investing in their development and living the values that Southwest Airlines is so known to have. So welcome, Jen. I'm going to call you Jen. Thank you so much, Valerie. It's my pleasure. We just had such a great talk in our pre-interview, and there were so many things that um, I'm going to bring to the light for the audience. One of them, audience, I want you to know, is a main trans 
transformation, I will say, in her life that many of you might have experienced and those who haven't will want to know about it. So stay tuned. So Jen, I just want to start out by asking um, a couple of things about what your IT position now is. Day to day, just explain what being the head of IT technology at Southwest is about. Absolutely. I feel like I have the most fun job in the world because my team is responsible for all the technology in our airports. So I'm sure most of your audience has flown and has experienced all the different technology that they interact with, whether it's the kiosk when they come in the door or interacting with gate agents who are using the computer to process them maybe even the bags getting on the airplane and, and how the ramp agents are scanning those bags. All of that technology is something that my team has either produced or currently supports. And so it's very much a 24 by seven kind of job, but every day we know we make a difference to employees and customers. Okay, so I'm, I'm thinking about being a passenger and I've always wondered, <laughs> haven't you? When my luggage gets lost, why? <laughs> that is such a great question. The most common reason is that something strange happened to your flight. So perhaps it was delayed or we had to swap you to a different airplane and something just got lost in that transition. Um, <laughs> although with the software that we rolled out several years ago, that really shouldn't happen at this point because we scan your bag as soon as we take it from you. We scan it again when we put it on the plane and we scan it again when we take it off. So we should know exactly where your bag is, even if it didn't end up exactly where you planned for it to be. <laughs> Well, what have been some issues and challenges, Jen, with the COVID situation and all of that? Wow, this has been such an interesting time as a leader at an airline. Mm -hmm. uh, as you know, travel has dropped off significantly. Uh, the whole idea of jumping on a plane and whether for work or for pleasure has pretty much been non-existent for most of the, the public for the past year. So our revenue plummeted and it was almost overnight. And we had to determine how we could cut costs as quickly as possible while making sure that we focused on keeping every employee's job safe, mm. which um, I'm proud to say that that is a huge value for Southwest Airlines. Not all of our competitors share that same point of view. So the focus on preserving jobs was always number one through the crisis. So as leaders, we were really pushed to cut costs um, in every way we could, even down to the smallest things. Uh, just a practical example, we aren't spending money on culture ideas, which is so important to us, celebrations and team events. But instead, we've asked our leaders to step up and use their personal funds to continue some of the culture it, and you know, certainly not asking them to pour thousands of dollars into it, but we care about the culture enough and we care about preserving jobs enough that we've each taken it on ourselves to figure out how to take care of our employees despite budget cuts. So wow. we are um, continuing to make hard choices on how we fly, what we fly, when we start selling middle seats, when, uh, how to enforce mass policies, at, but really the warriors that are out on the front line for us are the ones with the toughest job right now. Mm -hmm. um, they, they deal with customer challenges constantly, people who 
don't want to wear a mask, don't understand that it's actually a federal law now. And they continue to serve our flying public with a smile and continue to live out our Southwest culture and values. Southwest is known for that, Jim. It's, it's um, amazing that it has maintained all these years and such that so many other companies have taken the the lessons learned in the book called Nuts, right? Absolutely. Uh, and, and really implemented them because they work. So I want to mm -hmm. talk to you about what works. One of the things that you are so involved in is mentorship. Mm -hmm. And of course, my book, Monday Morning Leadership for Women, is about a mentor and a mentee and their discussions and the lessons learned. So be sure you order that. But culture is just so important and, and the mentoring part. One of the things that you said was really important to you, I wrote it down, one of your teachable points of view. You said when you focus on leading the people instead of the work, the work will take care of itself. Tell us about that. I feel that occasionally leaders can get really caught up in the details of the job or the department that they're running. And the reason we have teams around us is so that the work can be accomplished and everyone can um, be successful in pushing the vision. But if I focus as a leader on the job that's happening within my team, I can't possibly be available and invested in my actual team members. So I choose to spend most of my time meeting with my team, um, looking for opportunities to grow their knowledge, bringing guest speakers into our team meetings, things that enhance them as people and grow their careers and grow their experiences. And they then produce an amazing amount of work and produce an amazing amount of value for Southwest Airlines. And so it's this, this multiplying effect. My efforts actually are multiplied through my entire team because I'm focused on the people. And, you know, so just going deeper on that, at one time, I don't know now, I read that you had 100 people working for you. Do you still? I have about 50 now. Well, it said when you had now 50, I'm sure you're handling, but 100 that you met with, every one of them? Absolutely. At least twice a year, I prioritize 30 minutes per employee within my team because I don't understand how I could know them or they could know me if we didn't have that one-on-one -on -one interaction. It's so important to me to prioritize that time. So give us some uh, idea of something maybe in all those interviews that have been happening um, that really made a difference. Oh, wow. Or something you <laughs> learned. I, I feel like I learned something every day in those conversations. Um, but I do really appreciate when I have a team member from another uh, who is raised in a, a different culture or uh, different points of view that I may have been raised with. And we can actually have very professional adult conversation about the differences of opinions or the differences of perspectives. My mind has been blown away by how much I didn't know because mm -hmm. I was raised in a certain way with a certain set of um, points of view. And, and so I just feel like I constantly learn from my team members just by the time I invest with them. You know, that's the whole thing, Jan, about the diversity uh, inclusion efforts that are going on. 
And what I know is that companies are bringing people together to talk. But to have a boss that meets one-on-one -on -one with you, I have to believe would give the other person that much more opportunity to really be vulnerable and, and just talk about it. And know that you're the kind of person that wants to hear what their issues are and what have you. Absolutely. And I have actually had several people who get very nervous before meeting with me. Uh, I bet. Just because they think it's really strange that their leader's leader is meeting with them and they you know, don't want to say anything wrong or what am I going to ask? And their leaders have had to help calm them to say, trust me, it's, it's really informal. Jen just wants to get to know you. <laughs> she won't bite. That's right. So sometimes there actually is a little bit of fear and intimidation before they walk into the meeting well, because sure. it is unusual. You've got a title. You're the boss. Oh my gosh. Right. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so Jen, this mentorship is, is so important at Southwest MTU. You had an opportunity to be mentored by a very, very special lady. Tell us about that. I sure did. And it was one of the greatest blessings of my life, without a doubt. Uh, I still remember the moment that a, a, a real envelope with a real paper memo showed up at my desk. And it was a letter from Colleen Barrett, one of the founders of Southwest Airlines, and she expressed an interest in mentoring me because she has a passion for female leaders in particular. And one of my business partners had mentioned me to her and thought that I would be a good candidate to listen and, and understand her points of view. And I, I mean, truly, someone should have pinched me in that moment because I thought there's no way this could be happening. She's such a, an icon, not only in our industry, but also just for female leaders everywhere. Mm -hmm. What she had to go through in the airline industry as one of the few female leaders in her time is just astounding. And she's known as the queen of hearts in our company because she was the queen of our culture. She talked about the golden rule constantly. She modeled what it was like to uh, take care of and focus on the people first and worry about the um, money and stockholders and others later. And for her to, to even reach out was one of the most pivotal moments of my life. To think that, to think she would, the head of it, I mean, the woman. Yes. So I'll share an interesting story that goes along with this. Colleen, I hope you're watching. I wrote for 10 years for Southwest Airlines Magazine. Every month I wrote a business quiz. And so several years ago, I just out of the blue thought, I wonder if I could meet Colleen Barrett. <laughs> so I picked up the phone and I called her office. Vicki answered the phone. And I said, hello, Vicki, you don't know me, but my name is, and I've been writing for Southwest Airlines, and I would love to meet Colleen Barrett. Do you think that's a possibility? Now, most companies <laughs> would have hung up probably. I don't know. But here's what she said immediately. Vicki, her assistant, sure. I said, really? She said, sure. Why don't you meet for lunch? And we did. That's, that's Southwest Airlines. 
And that's the culture and that's why it's the culture. And you are continuing to, to get that ingrained in everybody. I want to hear about you now, Jen, because what I know about your background is fascinating, which will lead to this transformational situation I've told you to hang on and listen to. Tell us about growing up. Certainly. So I grew up in Palestine, Texas, a small East Texas town. And at some point in my childhood, I realized that I was adopted. Um, I realized that because I was sitting in church with my grandmother and uh, flipping through her Bible. I'm, well, I was probably about eight, so I'm sure I had a hard time even listening to the sermon at that point. <laughs> but I turned to the family tree page and I saw adopted in parentheses next to my name. Well, wow. I was an only child. I was definitely an internal processor. So I didn't say a word to anyone about what I had seen. I processed on it, processed on it, tried to make sense of the, the data points around me to see how this, could, how this stacks up as much as an eight-year-old could at that point, sure. right? And uh, at 14, my parents had a conversation with me to talk about the fact that I was adopted. Um, I had been born in Denver, Colorado. And when I was three days old, uh, my great uncle flew me on an airplane from Denver to Houston to meet my parents in the Houston airport. Um, I do have a fabulous photo of my parents seeing me for the first time and holding me and just the pure love and adoration of them looking down on me. It's one of my most precious photos. Mm. And that then started a journey for me of, you know, what does it mean to be adopted? And how do I, is there any interest in understanding more about my genetic upbringing and uh, is there a reason for me to look for my birth mom like what happened and I, I'm sure anyone who's listening who's been adopted and has questions probably goes to the wait why wouldn't my mom have wanted me what was the situation and so some doubts at times that I uh, had to struggle through um, so throughout life I would occasionally pick up the thought of maybe I should search for my birth mom again. And of course, this was back before the internet, and it was not easy to do something like that. Mm. And so I just kind of put it off. I'd submit a form here or there and not think much of it. And then five years ago, at the age of 40, wow. the state of Colorado changed their laws, and an adoptee could actually request their original birth certificate from the government. So I sent my form in. I, I stumbled across this news right before it was about to become law. And I sent my form in. And a couple months later, I had an original birth certificate with a name on it. Oh. And it was, I mean, I picked it up out of the mailbox going, oh, my goodness, this is happening. What am I going to do next? <laughs> so I connected with a, uh, an adoption registry that I had talked to in years past who couldn't help me at the time. I didn't have any information except the hospital at which I was born. So now that I had a name, I called the registry back and I still remember this sweet voice on the other end named Mary. And she said, well, honey, we have a match for you. And it was such an interesting moment. Uh, I, so exciting, but also fearful. Like, okay, what next? 
the most terrible thing to me would be reaching out and making a connection and actually negatively impacting my birth mother's life, family situation. And I absolutely didn't want to do that. So there, there was a lot of apprehension on whether or not this was the right thing. But I really felt like God was opening doors. And so I'm going to be faithful and follow this through. And we, uh, I received her contact information and reached out first via email. Uh, it felt a little safer just in case things didn't go well. Uh, and I just laid out, you know, here's who I am. Here's what, what my last 40 years have entailed. Here I have two wonderful twin boys and a wonderful husband. And here's what I do for my career. And I just want to thank you. You had a choice 40 years ago, and you chose, to ch you chose life. You chose the harder path for me, and I'm so grateful. And the whole reason I wanted to find you is so that I could thank you. If you never want to reply, if you never want to have contact with me, that's completely fine. I just wanted you to know that everything turned out okay, and I'm so grateful for what you did. So several hours later, I received the sweetest, most heartfelt note back, um, and it, she just expressed how, you know, she was a teenager when she got pregnant, and she actually had to be sent across the United States, um, you know, just to avoid kind of that family shame back then that, that would have gone with such a situation. So she lived with her older sister in Colorado until she had me, and then she returned home, and no one ever spoke of it again. And this entire 40 years, she thought that I had access to her information because she had put it into this registry and just thought that I had chosen not to reach out, which she was fine with. You know, she, she fully acknowledged that was my right, but she was so overjoyed to have heard from me and to have connected. And it's been such a neat five years of uh, just expanding, like my heart has room for another family. It doesn't displace anything. It's just an additional set of blessings that have um, so, it's just been so amazing. So, Jen, that's the most beautiful story, particularly when you told us what you said to her, because it, you could have been angry, you could have had all kinds of emotions, but it was pure love. The power of love, right? Well, and I did have a fabulous upbringing. I was, I am so very loved mm -hmm. um, by my adopted parents. And so there, there wasn't a gap. I wasn't trying to fill a gap. I didn't feel unloved. I, it, this was just a new bonus. And so where are, where, where are you now with all of this? Well, we have uh, definitely connected in person several times, and uh, I have met most of, most of the extended family at this point, and everyone has just welcomed me in with open arms, welcomed in my husband and sons, and it really is, it, it feels like a, a, a fairy tale kind mm. of ending for me. I didn't know if I would ever have answers, and not only do I have answers, I have new relationships that are so valuable to me. Oh, Jen, I just think that's a beautiful story to uh, share on, on air because there are a lot of people I've met through life that have been adopted. They've not had the opportunity to find uh, their mother 
and some when they did, it was not a good experience. So thank you for sharing that. That's My really pleasure. very special. Well, what do you want to do next? Next in life? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, well, I think that the next hurdle is sending my kids off to college. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, they, they graduate in about two weeks, and they will be uh, headed down their separate paths for the first time in their lives since they've been together since birth as twins. Mm -hmm. uh, so just trying to figure out how to shift as a mom into the advisor role mm -hmm. and not so much the um, full-time mom mode, coaching mode, and uh, so that certainly is top of mind at the moment. Um, from a career standpoint, I absolutely love working at Southwest Airlines. I've been there uh, almost 14 years. This is actually our 50th anniversary of our existence, which is so exciting. That is exciting. And I just look forward to what the next several years will bring us as we come out of this pandemic, as we continue to grow again, uh, and look for more opportunities to make an impact. You're making quite an impact. I was just thinking about um, the story about you being adopted and now how that, going back just one more time to the mentoring, Jen, how that will impact the stories you'll have to tell. And that's what leadership is about. We call these things that I mentioned that you've uh, felt strongly about your teachable point of view, because if we're not teaching other people to be leaders, then we're individual contributors, aren't we? You're exactly right. Yeah. And so before we go, I wanted to talk of one more thing that you mentioned that uh, all of us want to know. You said another teachable point of view, being willing to engage in tough conversations, it does get easier each time you do it. How do you do that? <laughs> well, first, I strongly believe that if you love someone, you will be willing to have a tough conversation when the time comes. Whether it's because you see something that they need to grow in, whether it's something you know is holding them back, whatever it is, there will be opportunities for tough conversations. And for me personally, getting my mindset focused on the only reason I'm doing this is because I love and care about this person mm. makes such a difference in the actual conversation. I will use self-talk before I walk into a hard conversation and just remind myself that the whole reason for this is because I care about the person. Um, I mean, who wouldn't want to avoid a hard conversation sure. if you could, right? Mm -hmm. So just thinking about the motive, thinking about why I'm doing it in the first place is uh, primary, but then really being willing to just do it and continue to do it and do it in small, quick ways when the time comes, like very quick feedback that's in the moment and timely. Those kinds of things, you can actually worry yourself to death trying to figure out if you're going to say something later or not. Just have the conversation right then and there. And then also do the harder, you know, bigger sit down kinds of conversations as well. Uh, without a doubt, I, I wouldn't recommend this to everyone, but the best practice for me personally has been a marriage mentoring program through our church that my husband and I do together. Oh. Well, once you sit across the table from a couple and talk about finances, communication, sex life, once you've done that, 
you can pretty much tackle any hard conversation in the work environment possible. I bet that's true. <laughs> it feels easy at that point. Well, Jen, <clears throat> one of the things that I learned a long time ago and wish I'd learned way before that was do it now. You know, it uh, gets ugly if you wait. So, you're so right. Timely. Yes. Good advice. Jen, it's been wonderful to have you on the show. Thank you. And I wish you all the best with this new family, expanded family. Uh, never mind your career and the 50th anniversary. That'll be great. Thank you so much, Valerie. And we'll fly Southwest Airlines. Thank you. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Before we go, um, I just wanted to mention one more thing. And it has to do with being a leader and having tough conversations, but approaching it with love. Uh, and good intent, and that is the need to have kindness in our world. Because Southwest Airlines is also known for all of that too. So a long time ago now, it's been several months, I started this hashtag, rekindling your kindness. Rekindling your kindness. And what I want you to do is go onto any social media and post something. Did someone do something nice for you today? Well, let us know. Let people know. If it meant something to you, it might mean something to others. Just yesterday, something really nice happened to me. So I'm going to go online after the show and post this. And here's what it was. A colleague of mine that doesn't even live here anymore came to visit in Dallas, obviously for uh, seeing some family members here. She really didn't have time to just stop by my home, but she did. And she left me the most precious note that just gave me a joy saying how much her friendship and my friendship means to her with a little gift. And I just thought, wow, that made my whole year. That was my kindness that I received. So post hashtag rekindling your kindness if you've received it or if you've given it. I think that's an awesome thing to do, right? Don't you, Jen? Absolutely. <laughs> what a neat story. Isn't that a great story? Yes. And there's tons more online. Read about them. Until next time, stay healthy, stay happy, and be kind. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. To receive Valerie's voice, free monthly leadership tips, and to learn more about her leadership programs and coaching, visit her website, ValerieAndCompany.com. Next week, we'll be here again to inspire, engage, and equip you with teachable points of view from successful leaders who have been doing it right. Until then, lead authentically.